Rebel Goddess Reclamation was born out of the desire to celebrate the sacred feminine. You can look forward to goddess myth and storytelling from all cultures, interviews with inspiring rebel women, and learning about nature-based Sabbaths and any other goddess-loving sexy content that floats the boats of your two founding sisters. We know that in recognizing the radiance in others that we are recognizing the radiance in ourself. As rebel women, we empower ourselves and others without apology or harm, aware and in awe of our united potential. We welcome both the delicious light and exquisite shadow, knowing that this paradox is the source of sacred power. With the wisdom of our ancestors and the hope of all future descendants, we release that which does not serve and manifest that which does. We lean into the unknown with grace, making our own rules and then breaking them. I am your dark sister, Sam. I am your red sister, Sarah. And we are Rebel Women with Teacups. If you're here for just the goddess content and want to skip the tea review, there's no shame in that game. We will see you at 13 and a half minutes in. Hi. So today we're reviewing a tea that is so new it doesn't even have a name. That's right. That's pretty cool. Yeah. We got it from Misha at the Enchanted Candle Apothecary. Yes. And she had made it literally the day before we got there. On the day that we decided, right? Wasn't it on the day? That's true. Yeah, because it was the day before. <laughs> yes. Yes. So it was on the day that we decided to add tea into our podcast. So it was kind of like, oh, well, duh, we, we have to get that. And she made it very clear that this was a smack in the face. Like, the tea is a smack in the face. So she's like, morning time, you want some energy? This is going to smack you in the face. So Sam actually came up with something. I, we don't know if she's going to call it that, but it's so damn cute. Yeah, because she said, you know, she's looking for names. She likes puns a lot. So if I'll, while we're drinking it, we come up with anything. But we haven't actually drank it yet, but we smelled it. Um, and it had – so it's a chai. It's a peppery chai. That's how she described it. And when you smell it, you smell a lot of pepper. There is a lot of spice, almost like a chili. Yeah. Um, and it hits you in the back of the nose, and it kind of slaps you. Yeah. And so then I thought, which slap might be a nice name for it? I think that's <laughs> such a great name. Because it <laughs> – I'm going to message her. It's perfect. Yes, please. <laughs> perfect. So, perfect. Um, okay, so looking at the tea dry, um, it is very chunky. There's lots of bits of things in it, less tea leaves and more um, roots and, like, cloves and barks and... Um, I think that's coriander, those little seedy guys. Mm -hmm. um, and as of right now, there is no description on the website as of this recording. That doesn't mean in a week it won't be there. But right now, it's so new that it's not on the website yet. Yeah. So ingredients are, um, they fall into the mystery. That's right. We're just going in with open hearts. That's it. And I don't know, um, does it have caffeine in it? She said it was a black tea, right? Well, she did say that this is what you want to drink in the morning if you want to wake up. Yeah. So I'm assuming, yes, it does have caffeine. So, okay, so the the nose on the dry blend, yeah, it hits you in the back. It is super spicy. There is yeah. some, like, cinnamon clovey to it for sure. Yeah. But I would say more than the chai smell, you get this, like, this savory seasoning um, in it as well. Okay, and so we're both brewing it. 
Uh, and I feel like yours is darker than mine. The color, maybe because it's mine's in a teacup and yours is still in a oh, that could in be. the tea brewer guy. I smell it. So I'm brewing mine in a tea ball, and she has hers in a. Do you know what that's called? Uh, no, I don't. It was gifted to me. It's a it's a thing from um Tivana, and then yeah. you put the the tea leaves in it and the hot water in it, and then once it's brewed, you set it on top of the cup, and then it evacuates itself into the cup. <laughs> that's a great description. It evacuates itself. <laughs> That's hilarious. It looks almost like a um a pitcher, mm-hmm. like a pitcher of water for water. A teeny tiny one. Yeah, a teeny tiny one. But it is um it's designed in such a way that when you set it on top of your teacup, it there's a little mechanism mechanism that compresses and the water falls out from the bottom. It's actually really cool. But keeps the tea leaves in the top. Correct. Yeah. So you have the option, like if you put it in the refrigerator, you can use the tea leaves two or three times. Nice. Yeah, it is nice. I like to, like with, um, when steeping loose leaf tea, I like when the um, flowers and stuff have more room mm. to like mellow around because sometimes in a tea ball or even in like a sachet there's just not enough room for them to like swim around and they're all smashed together so then I have to very vigorously agitate the tea ball to get the water moving around but with with your contraption <laughs> you've got all that space um, but the color is lighter than I would expect certainly it's yeah. almost like a light broth color oh yeah and it kind of smells like it. It's almost like a celery. Yeah, you're right. I'm trying to like, re- like it's like a a memory. Like you can smell it and remember. I wonder if that's the coriander. Um, <sighs> and something fun about coriander. Coriander is actually the seeds of cilantro. Which how have I lived this life and never have known that? I don't know, but I remember when I figured it out because someone had said um, the seeds of cilantro, and I was like, I don't think that we have those. And then he was like, I mean coriander. <laughs> I was like, got it. Thank you. Interesting. Oh, I love knowledge like yeah. that. How? I love like weird random facts like that. So it makes me very happy that I I learned. You done learned me something. Good. They have two totally separate tastes though: the cilantro and the coriander, which is wild, but. Okay, I'm going to take my first sip. Oops. Okay. And my first drip as well. (laughs) Oh, I'll wait for you. She's evacuating. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. See, that teacup, it was meant for you. It's so cute. I am uh, currently drinking from the teacup that... Helped start it all, and so is Sam. The two teacups that she found, it's so freaking da- dainty. I freaking love it. And there's like, um, it's like pearly. Like the white isn't flat white. It's yeah, like it's opalescent. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, um, it's so pretty. It's not as, it's not as shocking as I thought it would be. No, it's nice on the palate. It is. It does taste a little bit like grandma's soup with chai. Yeah. That's a great (laughs) way to describe it. Now, I was telling Sam um, 
the day that we actually got this, I love the taste of chai things, but I get this weird scratchy feeling in my throat. Did I share this before yes. on the podcast? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Okay. If I did, you're just getting it in a, in a second dose. Uh, but I get this weird itchy, it's not an uncomfortable feeling, or it's, yeah, it's not uncomfortable. It doesn't hurt. It's just a weird feeling. And I don't have any known um, allergies to anything. But like if I take, if I drink like a cup full, I'm usually good after that. It's just like something weird I notice about my body and it's just being in body recognition. This I can feel. It's like my um, tongue is tingly. Yeah. Not scratchy, but like, like the spice left over after you eat something hot and your oh, yeah. tongue. Mm-hmm. It's like inflamed in like a sweet way. It tastes good though. It doesn't taste like if if I were to hear someone describe it as like broth and also chai, I would think no thank you. But it's it's nice. Yeah. And it's not as um, peppery as I anticipated because I've had iced coffees mm-hmm. um, that have specific pepper in it. Like I don't know if it's like a pepper syrup that they use or what. But I definitely there's a bite of pepper in it where it makes it not so enjoyable. Yeah, because it's too much. Do you like spicy food? Um, as I'm growing older, I like spicy food. I don't like food to where it numbs your mouth and you can't taste anything. That's not fun to me. The right. point of eating is tasting. Yeah, and experiencing your food. Um, but this is not as like when she first said pepper because of my previous experience and pepper in drinks, I was kind of like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to like it. Mm-hmm. But this is nice and it's nice and it warms you up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm about halfway down my teacup and it is definitely stronger and more um, not palatable, but it's stronger on the palate the closer I get to the bottom because mm. there's like some sediment and stuff down there. Now. Saying that, how do you see going forward, like if you were to brew this again, would you add the milk to it? What would you do? Uh, I think this one, I mean, I love adding milk to chai, like Mm -hmm. for sure, for sure. But this one, um, I wonder if that would mask some of the like brothy. um, It's almost like, uh, what's that word when it happens in your past and it like throws you back? Like deja vu? No, no, no. Um, like, but it's like heartfelt. Like, there's like a sentimental. Uh, uh, yeah. It there, there's like a sentimental taste to it, and mm. it, like it tastes like how my grandma's house smelled when she was cooking chicken soup. That look when I was smelling it at the beginning, it's like there was a there's like smells. Like it wasn't just a single smell. It was like multiple smells mixed inside of it to where it wasn't like a unifying unifying smell like the apple in the um. And the All Hallows Eve, Mm -hmm. that made a unifying smell. But I could smell multiple smells in this, and it made me, like, nostalgic. It made me, like, this was something from my past. I wonder if there's celery seed in here or something. Mm, I do get the hint of celery seed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So I would not put – I would not put cream in it, and I would put a very – I might try a very scant amount of sweetener. Yeah, I think just a smidge of sugar might – you know, like because all house Eve, I didn't want to add any sugar. Yeah. But this one I think I would add just a what do you say? A smidge? A smite? A scant amount. A scant. <laughs> yeah, that that much right there. I could also honestly see um adding uh instead of salt instead of sugar, adding a pinch of salt. 
I could oh, see that too. To bring out a little different flavor profile. Yeah. Now, is this the one that she said that we can also add like a, a shot of rum or something like that to it? Uh, she suggested one of these teas that we got from her. I think that was one of her favorite ones that she was describing. Okay. So it must have been an older one. Okay. We'll have to, we can we'll ask, ask her. her yeah. Again. When we tell her yes. about which slap. But you know, drinking it, I don't think which slap tastes like it. Yeah, it's not as it, it's not a slap in the face that I anticipated, Mm-mm. but it could also be that we didn't let it brew for long enough. There's always that chance. Yeah, is trying it out and seeing what's what mm-hmm. because she didn't put uh, brew times. No, yeah, but generally, I mean, with teas, so uh, green teas, the the temperature scale, so not the time scale, but the temperature scale. So white teas you brew at the lowest temperature. Green teas are like a medium temperature. And then black teas, um, you can go all the way up to like 212 degrees Fahrenheit. But most of the others are going to be like 165 or somewhere, somewhere lower than 200. But with flower teas, so teas that aren't actually tea at all, but instead herbal, those are generally on the lower end as well. And then to compensate, you brew them for longer, mm-hmm. depending on, you know, as long as they don't get bitter or something. Um but I, I would want to try this with like like in a saucepan, boiling, like boil it, boil it for a few minutes. Maybe mm-hmm. then it would – not that I needed to slap me in the face, but <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Uh, we used to drink Ayla used to love drinking my daughter used to love drinking um, it was it was like a broth tea and it was these sachets from Numi tea I don't know if they still make them but it was like a celery and chive blend they had another one that was like basil and onion um, they even had a tomato and beet one and so oh, wow. you would drink them instead of putting sweetener or anything you'd Ayla would put salt in them and it was like drinking a cup of broth mm. um, yeah and it, it kind of throws me back to that too it's nice it is nice would you drink it again? I wouldn't be opposed to it. Yeah. Especially when I'm trying to warm my bones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, uh, um, yeah, I just keep thinking of my grandma. Like, if I needed, a like, that emotional. Yeah. But didn't want to, like, boil a ham bone or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, delicious. Yeah. Thanks, Misha. Yeah. <laughs> Can I tell you how excited I am to hear about Baba Yaga? I'm so excited. <laughs> Good. I'm excited to to spit this out because it's like pages and pages and pages of notes and I've mulled over the story so many times, which is actually great though because then it unfolded a lot for me too. Like um, I've connected my grandmother to Baba Yaga and I think that might be why I love her so much because she was oh. like turned into a crotchety, cranky old woman <laughs> and I hated her, but I, lo- <laughs> I love thinking about it. <laughs> Uh, you find the happy and the crazy. That's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> so at the end, then I'll share about how my grandma was crazy too. Okay. Be perfect. Okay. So I'm going to tell you the tale of Baba Yaga. Um, Baba Yaga. So technically, like phonetically, if if I were Slavic, right? So the myth itself has Slavic um, and Russian origins, meaning that it comes from a Baltic country. So Romanian, Yugoslavia, Poland. Um, if we were there and speaking those languages, I believe it would be pronounced Baba Yaga. So mm. you would emphasize that last G-A instead of Baba Yaga. But in my heart and in my mind, I've always read it as Baba Yaga. So that's how I'm going to tell you um, the story and, and pronounce her name. Okay. So essentially it translates to spooky grandmother. Uh, and that's what she was. She's she's a creepy old lady that lives in the woods. She's also like the quintessential 
old hag, like the wild nature woman, um, crone that lives alone in the woods. And if if you've never heard of Baba Yaga before, she she pops up in lots of common culture ways that we don't necessarily call her Baba Yaga. Um, but all of the witches depicted with like the long curly noses or the warts on their chins or the the bony fingers that eats little children. That's all <laughs> extremely Baba Yaga reinforced. Um, and and so the there's because it translates to spooky grandmother uh loosely there's there's lots of variations and also it is it's folklore so it's a spoken word passage of story so there's no singular written original baba yaga story there's lots of them so there's some where there's three baba yagas there's sisters living in the woods um but the tale i'm going to tell you today is the tale of vasilisa and what's interesting about vasilisa is sometimes it's called vasilisa the beautiful and sometimes it's called Vasilisa the Great. And so the way Vasilisa starts out is, so Vasilisa is living happily as a child with her father and her mother. And her mother is Mother Nestor, you know, meets all of her emotional needs and loves her well and treats her well and is sweet. And then her mother falls ill and she's on her deathbed. And Vasilisa is, you know, torn apart inside. And her mother gives her this doll and says, this is my dying gift to you. Don't, en- let, don't let anyone see it. Don't let anyone know that you have it. But whenever you need me, you've got this doll. And then her mother dies. And then time passes and her father, you know, after the time of mourning, her father finds new love and finds new love with a woman who has two daughters. So then Vasilisa becomes part of his family and she now has a stepmother and two stepsisters. And the stepmother and stepsisters, unbeknownst to the father, are evil and they treat her like garbage and make her, you know, cook and clean and tend after them and send her on ridiculous errands and try to make her feel awful because they're jealous of number one how beautiful she is and of the father's love for her but also they just don't like her they don't like how sweet she is and all of her goodness that irritates them which is crazy similar to cinderella and the evil stepmother and stepsister so pretty sure that's where that came from yeah i was thinking totally yeah and but also too like the the patriarchal twist of like She's beautiful, and that's why they hate her. And I don't know. It it just sort of gets me. Like, the, the Vasilisa the Great versus Vasilisa the Beautiful. I just feel like <laughs> there's room for improvement with, with the beautiful. But anyways. <laughs> um, okay, so so she's so beautiful, and the stepsisters and the stepmother hate her. But the father is, is not aware of any of the mistreatment because they only treat her shitty when when he's not around. And he leaves – no, he dies. I forget if he leaves or he dies, but he's not there for a really long period of time. Um, no, he definitely dies. That's what happened in this story, this version. <laughs> he dies. And um, and the stepsisters are getting annoyed with her so much so, so they plot a plan to send her out into the woods. And they, they essentially are sending her to her death. They want to kill her. So they intentionally snuff out their fire, and they say, I know – We'll send her to Baba Yaga to go get fire, and then Baba Yaga will eat her, and then we won't have to deal with her anymore. So they snuffed out the fire, and they told Vasilisa to go fetch fire from Baba Yaga. And so Vasilisa did as she was told, because that's what she did. She's trekking through the woods, and she has her doll in her pocket, her trusty little doll. And 
she doesn't know which way to go. She doesn't know, you know, when when there's a spooky part in the woods and there's a fork in the woods, she doesn't know which way to go. She gently rests her hand into her pocket and she hears the doll tell her which way to go. The doll will either bounce around or shout at her or whisper, you know, this way, this way. And so the doll leads her through the forest to Baba Yaga's hut. And she knows that it's Baba Yaga's hut because Baba Yaga's hut is unlike any other hut in the world in that it is uh, a live and breathing organism all on its own it's a hut that's on these two chicken legs and the two chicken legs enable it to dance ecstatically move around real fast run away um, or if you're knocking at the door it can twist and turn so that you never actually get to the front door you're always at the back door no matter how you run so it's like a clever conscious being on its own but so that's just its legs then the rest of the house is built out of essentially other body parts so the the doorknob and the lock and key are you know a nose and a gnarling mouth with teeth that can bite you so you don't really want to get in and the fence around the hut is human bones with skulls on every fence stake and the skulls are a lit up flaming these is one of the this is a flame she's supposed to ask for the fire she's supposed to bring back home from Baba Yaga these these skulls filled with fire surely these are people that Baba Yaga has eaten previously but the house lets her knock on it and Baba Yaga answers the door and Baba Yaga is this old crotchety very small hag woman um which you know she's she's all wrinkly she's probably got some whiskers on her chin warts for sure they say that when she lies in her bed her nose is so long and crooked that it touches the ceiling and um, but she's frail and she's tiny and her shoulders curve inward and she's got a hunchback with knobby bony points and edges to her body and she's covered in dirt. She doesn't smell very good. She's got wrinkles and folds. Her whole body looks like crepe paper because everything's all wrinkly. Just in general, she's like a dusty, smelly, feral human being, part animal. She's got these long fingernails with dirt underneath, permanently yellow. They're so long that they prevent her from being able to close her hand into a fist. The way Pinkola Estes describes it is the kind of beast that would turn around and lick its own ass to clean itself. That's who Baba Yaga is. (laughs) So you you don't... Fantastic description. it's very clear like a resting sneer face instead of a resting bitch face that's how i think about it just like (laughs) permeating with wickedness so she's this old spinster who's wicked and she asks vasalisa what she's doing there and vasalisa says i've come to ask for fire and vasalisa can see inside baba yaga's house and inside baba yaga's hut is uh an oven that stretches the entire length of the wall so it's you know several bodies long and that's what she does she she when she eats people she shoves them into their giant oven and then roasts them whole and then eats them whole so she can see this huge oven and she sees all of her magic creepy little things and her helpers inside the hut are these um severed hands she's got three sets of severed hands that are her servants and she sees them bopping around so there's a significant amount of fear in Voss Lisa at this point but she doesn't let it succumbed her or anything because she's got her she's got her doll and her doll has not led her astray oh oh also too um i forgot to say baba yaga can also be in some folklore she's described as an ogress so if you think about an ogre like you know the one who like 
kind of like a troll, like eats children, right? And like lives in a swamp. Baba Yaga is the female version of this, which is an interesting mm. take on a witch as well to make them an ogress. I had never even heard of the term ogress until I was digging into Baba Yaga. It helped to clarify some things for sure. So she asked Baba Yaga, I'm here for some fire. And Baba Yaga says, well, what makes you think that I would give you that? And Vasilisa said, instead of like, <laughs> instead of giving her any number of excuses, Vasilisa says, because I asked. And like, so simple and plain. And Bobby, uh, this answer pleases Baba Yaga because it's not frilly and she's not trying to like get anything over on her. It was just simple and direct. And so Baba Yaga lets her in. And Jesus will tell you what, I would not think of giving you anything without an exchange. So you're going to do some work for me. And the work you're going to do for me is you're going to sweep and you're going to do my laundry and you're going to cook my dinner. And her dinner, so she's used to cooking and cleaning for people. So no problem. She gets to work, but then she starts to make dinner. And Babiaga has the appetite of like 10 grown men. And, and that's why her oven's so big, because she eats and eats and eats. So Vasilisa prepares this huge feast, the feast that you would prepare for an army of men. And as soon as it's ready, before Vasilisa even gets to sit down, Babiaga's consumed almost all of it and leaves like a thimble of broth for Vasilisa. So again, this like feral animal, like wild, ravenous, like could never be satisfied hag of a woman. Um, but Vasilisa stays polite. She stays grounded. Um, she doesn't ask for any more than what she's given because the deal, the terms of the deal have already been set. But then, but then Baba Yaga says she will be leaving for the evening and has more for Vasilisa to complete. And so she says she needs to, before Baba Yaga's return, Vasilisa needs to separate the molded corn from the fresh corn kernels. So there's a pile of corn kernels and Vasilisa's like, uh, I don't know. That's like, I mean, it's a mound of corn. I don't know if I'll be able to get through it all. So then... Baba Yaga leaves, and her uh, transport of choice is not a broom. It is a mortal and pestle. And so she sits in the mortar. That's the bolt part, right? Yes. Or is the pestle? Okay. So she's sitting in the mortar like a boat, and she flies through the air, and the pestle is her rudder. It helps her um, have direction. And she sweeps through the air, and then instead of leaving a trail, she, she does have a broom, and a broom is made out of, like, human hair and all kinds of other gnarly things. And then she sweeps away her path so that no one can follow her. So mm. Baba Yaga zooms away, and, and then Vasilisa starts to get to work with the corn. But she can't finish it, and she's too tired, and she doesn't know what to do, and she starts to... She starts to lament and and vocalize how she'll never be able to get this done. And then her doll tells her, it's fine. You can go ahead and rest. Everything will be taken care of. So Vasilisa goes to rest. And she wakes up in the morning um, with Baba Yaga's return. And everything is done because the doll had completed it. And, oh, I forgot to mention, too, as the morning happens, so right before Baba Yaga returns, right before morning breaks, she sees a white rider on a white horse ride past the hut, and then day comes, and then Baba Yaga returns. I forgot to mention that part. So then she tells, Vasilisa tells Baba Yaga, I've completed all the tasks. She feels really great about it. This pleases and displeases Baba Yaga because... Babiaga was intending for her not to get it all done. Uh, so then she gives her more to do. So she's like, great. And also, I'm going to need you to take that giant pile of dirt out there and separate all of the poppy seeds from the pieces of dirt. 
And Vasilisa's like, this is going to take forever. So she starts with it. Um, and she works through the day. Then she sees a black horseman, a black soldier on a black horse riding by. And then it turns dark into night. And she gets tired again. And again, her doll says, don't worry. I've got you. You go ahead and rest. The work will be done. She goes to sleep. She wakes up the next morning. White Rider comes by. White Rider comes by. Oh, and there's Red Rider too. So White Rider comes by. Daybreak. Uh, Red Rider comes by. And the sun rises. And then she sees that this pile of dirt has been separated out from all the poppy seeds. Yet again, the doll has helped serve her needs and then babiaga wakes up and babiaga sees that the work is done and is impressed doesn't know how the girl did it and asks how did you do this and and vasilisa puts her hand on the doll intuitively knowing and says i did it with the blessings of my mother and i know how sweet right but of course this irritates Babiaga. Babiaga's like, blessings? We have no time for blessings. And then wants to send her away. Um, and so hands her the skull with fire, the burning embers inside. And Vasilisa feels this urge, though, to ask about the riders that she kept seeing. The the red rider and the white rider. Red. And, and the black rider. And she asks, she decides that it feels okay to ask. And she says, may I ask you a question? And, and Babiaga says... Too much wisdom will make a will make a, a soul grow old ahead of their time. And Vasilisa says, All right. But then decides to ask anyways and says, Those riders, who were they? And Baba Yaga says, The white rider is um they're all my servants. The white rider is who brings the day, brings daybreak, the red rider is who brings the sunrise, and the black rider is who brings nightfall, and together they serve me. And she says, okay. And then Baba Yaga says, do you have any more questions? And Vasilisa hears the doll say, too much wisdom will make a soul too old before their time. And so Vasilisa decides that's the end of the questions that she should be asking, even though Babiaga kind of gave her the doorway. And Vasilisa says, no, I, I think that's it. And then Babiaga says, you are very wise for your age. And then hands her the skull full of flames and sends her on her way. So Vasilisa then is on her way home. She's using the doll for her directions again, and she's got this wicked burning skull with embers and, you know, shooting flame all around it. has to be careful not to set the woods on fire on her way home. She gets home, and her stepsisters and stepmother are super surprised to see her because she's been gone for days. They thought for sure Baba Yaga had eaten her already. And the skull, the burning skull, can see all that's happening and sees the sisters being wretched to her and kind of figures out all, all of what had transpired before then and sees the sisters start to order Vasilisa around. And so before the end of that night, the skull and the fire inside it burned all of the sisters and the mothers to a crisp. And so it's just Vasilisa left in her home. <laughs> with a warm fire ah <laughs> <laughs> uh, so good such a good story yeah and then also so then Esty says you know a, like a lot of um fairy especially like slavic fairy tales end that way almost like really abruptly really quickly like a boo to get you back into reality right because you take this like wonderland of fantasy to teach you miss and then it's like drop you back <laughs> like, right. okay everybody died got it <laughs> Oh, but also too, okay, so, but Vasilisa, um, so this, some, sometimes the story keeps going in that Vasilisa then, so she's got this home, she could run it how she sees fit, she doesn't have to be anyone's servant anymore, and she gets really into textiles and becomes this 
uh, amazing textile artisan and it impresses the czar of russia and the czar is like the the emperor of the time um and impresses him so much so that the czar ends up taking him for taking vasilisa to be his wife and then that's like the happy ending but also it could be the happy ending when she's just like alone with her mother and stepsisters burnt to a crisp <laughs> i'll take that happy ending <laughs> yeah yeah so okay so there's like a lot a lot of symbolism in there i was Um, going to ask you about the symbolism yes yes. please so okay before i dig into like too many specifics i just have to say again the flippin patriarchy because if you look at cinderella her Mm. whole life purpose is like putting on this ball gown and like getting so dressed up that the prince can't even flip and recognize her without her makeup and and gown on you know they have to like try on shoes and her whole sense of worth is being tied to this ball and finding a man to take her out of the situation Mm. whereas in vasalisa she is completely the agent of action and she is the one intentionally walking into the lion's cave like fearlessly going to these places that are certain deaths you know what i mean and she's just like she's like i'm just gonna do it and um okay so that's number one about the patriarchy and like a little bit like fuck disney for you like twisting it so much (laughs) (laughs) teaching our young girls like that's how you get out of a situation is to like look pretty and marry a man who's in power um versus like getting this shit done yourself but okay where should we start with the symbolism so the doll Okay, so the doll represents her intuition and how lovely that her mother gifted to her. And so it kind of represents this, like, this the, the gift of the feminine from mothers to daughters to sisters to mothers to daughters, right? This, like, passing of intuition down the lineage. Um, and also the the ritual of of using your intuition as initiation because she didn't really have any reason to use the doll until she was put in these sticky predicaments and then that's when her intuition was able to flex for her Mm. yeah and it's this initiation of her coming into her own because that's the catalyst for everything else to be changed because if the sisters hadn't asked her to go get the fire she would have never left she would have stayed there yeah yeah that's ugh. that's so good See, yeah. that's that's why I like to get like these fabulous fairy tale stories, folklore to be broken down because it's not just a story. There's so much built into the layers. There's mm-hmm. so much built, and like you might not realize that the doll was her intuition unless somebody's like, "Hey, that's her intuition," and she doesn't use it until she needs it, and then it's awesome, right? And also, like, kind of keep it close to the chest. Like, you don't need to show off this doll to everybody. Yeah. It's essentially just for you. <gasps> yeah. Because you know what? That's one of the things that I'd wondered. Like, why couldn't she show the doll to anyone she wanted to? I love it. What's next? Yeah. Um, okay. So other symbolism. Let's see. Um, Baba Yaga and her, like, fierce appetite. Like, even though she is like old and you know decrepit and like probably hundreds of years old her appetite is still intact and the the ways of a wild woman keeps the desire um the desire for what is real and what is worth our time is like alive and well it's like a fire that could never go out you know what i mean it doesn't matter how much fuel you put on it there's always more i i like that um oh and then also so if you look at so we've got all these different characters but essentially in any in any myth, you can take, you know, the hero and how all of the supporting characters affect the hero 
And also, you can look at it in terms of all of the characters as aspects of the same self. Mm. So all of these characters are aspects of Vasilisa, right? So we have this evil stepmother and stepsister inside us that tell us that we're worthless and keep us doing menial tasks and, um, you know, potentially put us in harm's way not to be of service, right? And then we have this other aspect, this Baba Yaga aspect of ourself, who is both villain and heroine because Baba Yaga essentially is a huge part of saving Baba Yaga or, um, Baba Yaga is a huge part of saving Vasilisa from her her not authentic living of life, being their servants. Mm. And also, yes. I mean, how often, aside from, sorry, you go ahead. No, 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 no. go. I'm listening. <laughs> With Baba Yaga, I mean, she's like another queen of paradox. Like, I'm a sucker for paradox anyways, but the fact that she's terrifying and is known to eat children and people but also she is willing to serve up incredible doses of wisdom and be a helper and you know is Vasilisa's saving grace at the same times every hero is moonlighting as a villain and every villain is doing the same you know as a hero it's like there, there's no separation between the two and then recognizing that when you are in those moments of fear when you're presented with a Baba Yaga in front of you someone externally who you feel like is going to devour you up alive it's like and also they could be a stepping stone to the next beautiful thing blossoming yeah so not to approach them with fear and instead trusting trusting with your intuition and listening to that voice inside yeah and it's just like doing your own shadow work it's ugly and it's fearsome and it's grueling and it is going to break you down. But to get to the sweetest parts of life, we're going to have to go through these times of darkness so that we can celebrate. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there's no need to be um, like super ladylike about it. Like Vasilisa is polite. She's not, you know, cruel by any means, but, but Baba Yaga even then like, there's no need to be, um, you know dressed up all nice and like super clean and like it's okay to like lick your ass sometimes it's fine <laughs> you can still get things done no I love that I love that it also speaks to you know heeding the wisdom of our elders something that our culture does not do mm. hardly at all that's a hundred percent true and it breaks my heart in the Disney version, I mean, I feel like the only reason she listens to her godmother is because her godmother is, like, so sweet yeah. and just gifts her with a whole bunch of stuff. Who wouldn't listen to someone who treats you really well? It's entirely different to listen to someone who, you know, smells bad and has warts on their face. And, oh, oh, totally didn't you know, This is one of my favorite things about Baba Yaga. She's so offensive, like, visually. Like, all she's offensive to all the senses. So to be able to approach her neutrally speaks to the character of the individual approaching her there's there is an absence of judgment where Vasilisa is concerned because if she were to judge Babiaga, then she wouldn't be able to to exchange with her in the way that she did yeah you know yeah and we don't give enough praise to these types of stories we like you know speaking of what you've talked about earlier and the patriarchy like we celebrate the mud and the muck that a, a hero goes through, but not necessarily a heroine. And the battles are different, but they're the same at the same time. 
I, I don't know if that makes any sense, but I just keep envisioning like if this was a guy that was on the battlefield, there would be high praise for him coming home and having gone through what he's gone through. But there's just as much praise for facing something that assaults everything that you think is right in the world and then coming out even stronger for it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, like, the the physical embodiment of fighting a fight versus, like, the emotional and, like, spiritual embodiment. Yeah. Because yeah. it's the same, right? I mean, they're just mirrors. The physical world is just a mirror for the non-physical world and the things that are happening Yeah, that you can't see. Not to say that there's not celebration in a man going to war and his fighting his own fight. It's just that I don't think enough praise is given to stories like this because mm-hmm. it is so heavily, like – other than her father having been there and then no longer being there, the story was about the women and the different aspects of one woman. Yeah. Well, and you also have some elements of like mother wound and sister yeah, wound in there. For sure. And and also too, like Vasilis was willing to take it. She was totally willing to just like take whatever they were serving. You know what I mean? Yeah. For however long. Until something shifted, until she had that initiation of intuition that switched everything around. Mm. Yeah. And then that fire that was in the skull, you know, our inner fire, all of a sudden decides at one point, oh, hell no. Like, we deserve better than this. (laughs) Yes. Burn this fucker down. Burn this fucker down. Yes. Beautiful. (laughs) Well spoken. Yes. Um, Okay, wait. I also want to say, I'm just going to read this part. Um, it's, It's not the actual, like. It's not actual words, but from Women Who Run With the Wolves, which is Dr. Clarissa Pinkola Estes. Um, it's her book, and there's like 40 pages of Vasilisa. Um, but she offers the nine tasks, and so she like subdivides the chapters into the, the Vasilisa, the wise chapter, into these nine tasks after she tells the story. And the first task is allowing the too good mother to die. Which is, you know, the beginning, her mom dies. But also if we're looking at in terms of all the characters of aspects of Vasilisa the self, we all have this version of us inside that's sweet to ourselves. It doesn't actually serve our best needs once we're out of a certain phase of life. Like when we're little, it's nice to have a mother that is like a warm hug and pets our hair and tells us how lovely we are. But we can't stay there forever Mm. because if we did, we would be a shell of a human being. So you have to let that like supporting character mother, whether it's, you know, the... Because if, if we don't let that die, then there's this overbearing mother that, that kind of creates in its place. Yeah. And then and then we can't flourish. So that's task one, is allowing the good mother to die, the too good mother to die. Um, the second task is exposing the crude shadow. So this is when um, the sisters come in and the father can't see it, which is also, again, patriarchy, blind to the truth, yeah. right? Father cannot recognize what's happening in his eyes. Not that men cannot, but the the masculine counterpart is to not see what is real and instead only see what, like, you can grasp with your hands. He can only see literally what's in front of him, and he can't pick up on, you know, the emotional state of things in between. Mm. Okay, so second task is exposing the crude shadow. Third task, navigating in the dark. This is her moving through the woods. This is us in real life, not knowing what our next step is, but trusting that intuitive doll. Um, Fourth task is facing the wild hag, right? Recognizing this like fearsome creature in front of us without judgment. Fifth task is serving the non-rational. 
So this is when she's separating the poppy seeds mm. from the dirt. And it's like, how many times in our life we're like, I don't want to have to do this. What a waste of time and energy. Yeah. But like you put your head down and you do it and there's a reason, there's a purpose. Sixth task is separating this from that, which again lines with the, the corn, the fresh corn from the mildewed corn and the poppy seeds. The seventh task is asking for the mysteries. This is when she asks about the riders. The eighth task is standing on all fours. So when she's riding back with the fire and she, you know, burns the house down, she doesn't need the sisters anymore. She just needs herself. And then the ninth task is recasting the shadow. I didn't actually finish the chapter to (laughs) (laughs) to figure out what recasting the shadow is, but we can hypothesize together. That's so funny. Oh my god, I love you. Or maybe, maybe that's when everyone dies, and she's like, "Boo!" Right back to real life. <laughs> there are, and then there's also. I want to also state that there are just like there's the Cinderella versus the Baba Yaga story, the Vasilisa story that we were just told. There's lots of different variations when it comes to the Baba Yaga story. Essentially, <clears throat> excuse me. Essentially, it is the same. Like the they happen in the same, but your visualizations of things are different or the beginning story is different. Like there's lots of different people that have taken this old storytelling. Like even um, Clarissa's is completely different than what would have been told back in the day. It's her interpretation Mm -hmm. of the story. Mm -hmm. And that you'll find that a lot when it comes to folklore storytelling, even like when we, when we get down to the brass tacks of, um, goddess archetypes there's always different versions of the story and it's okay to pick the one that aligns with you Mm -hmm. well and you know traditionally it's being passed uh the one in um esty's book is from her aunt and so if you think about the way storytelling moved Mm. traditionally it was through families and so you would pick out the parts that served your like basic ancestral needs right the ones that tended to your wounds your family's wounds yeah which is like i mean and and we don't have that salve nowadays Mm -hmm. you know there's no that healing balm is not the same because how wonderful that we're all connected you know through the ether in this infinite web of information and also you know we don't sit around the fire at night cooking our dinner storytelling no we just don't no no and it makes you wonder when that stopped like, you know, when we have family get-togethers, we, they might reminisce and tell stories about the family, but there's no bigger story that is being shared, just like you said, at nighttime around the fire or in any other aspect. Like, I can't remember being told stories like this, like other than maybe having a bedtime book, which is essentially the trickle down of stories that were told orally in previous generations, but And there's only one story that I remember reading very young, and it's kind of stuck with me that I have told my kids when they were younger, but I bet you they don't even remember that because it affected me. It didn't necessarily affect them. Yeah. And I mean, I know as a parent, you know, my daughter is now 11, but I remember reading to her all the time before bed. That was like part of our ritual all the time. And whenever she would ask me to tell a story free ball, it was 
kind of painful. Yeah. And I was like, ugh. And I would only do it if she helped me. And so, you know, together we would work on something because we don't have – we don't have the practice where that muscle is completely atrophied in us. Yeah. And I can only, you know, think creatively if I have like a pen and paper in my hand and I have time to like will it out and, you know, really flesh the meat instead of just letting whatever flow out of my mouth flow. Yeah. And I think probably part of when, when culture turned away from that storytelling was probably very much aligned with the same time that we turned away from the earth. Mm. You know, when we stopped nature practices at, and interestingly, the whole thing with Baba Yaga is going into the woods, right? Yeah. Like she literally heads into nature, into the wilderness without knowing her way. And then, you know, nature provides. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I, I mean, there's, I think that there's a general uh, awakening to the fact that we have lost our way home for a bit, you know, and this like turning towards, you know, people gardening and getting really happy about their plants growing new leaves and, mm. you know, cooking with fresh herbs. It's like there's we're coming around the the pendulum swung so far in the other direction that now we're coming back to this place of hopefully neutral um as we revere earth again. Yeah. Oh, that's so beautiful. Yes. So, uh I think that's I think that's mostly all that I have. Oh, okay, wait, let me can I tell you about my grandma though? And oh my yeah, absolutely. like a crotchety please. cranky woman. <laughs> okay. So first of all, I um she did she had Alzheimer's and then dementia towards the end of her life, and that's when she got like the most cranky. And I remember being at the kitchen table with her, we were eating and my daughter was maybe, I don't know, four at the time. Maybe she was a little bit older. <laughs> and we were singing at the table. And my grandma says, there's no singing at the table. <laughs> <laughs> and my mom was in the kitchen and she was like, there can always be singing at the table. <laughs> <laughs> like my grandma was just so cranky. She like could not have it. <laughs> That's a great story. It's the same as how when, you know, Vasilisa says the right thing, it, like, actually pisses Baba Yaga off. Like, don't, don't yeah. be too sweet. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. No, oh, yeah. That makes sense. Okay. And then also, so my grandma, she, she was not a violent woman by any means. Like, she wasn't scary. But when she was angry, she would, she would threaten you. Like, she would threaten your life in very specific ways. And I remember the first time I ever saw her, like, not be sweet grandma. And I was, I was, so this was 30 years ago. I was probably five. Um, and she was maybe in, like, her early 60s. So she was definitely not senile. There was no Alzheimer's dementia yet. She was still, like, top of her game, cooking every day and, like, gardening and stuff. And my grandpa had a lot of kidney issues. He had dialysis. And so he would have to do dialysis at home twice a day, every day. And she um, – there was a lot of grandkids, like 40-some grandkids. Oh and gosh. so she kept the – yeah, lot, she had – my grandma had seven children, seven or eight children. And so all of those seven or eight children had a whole bunch more children, right? So there was like a whole bunch of grandkids. The house was always bustling. So she kept a pair of scissors on top of the refrigerator. And that was – so kids couldn't reach them. And so we weren't ruining her good kitchen scissors. And <laughs> – and my grandpa was doing his dialysis, and I remember walking into the kitchen, and the shears were on the table, the kitchen scissors were on the table, and my grandma was cooking, and she sees the, <laughs> the scissors on the table, and she picks them up and points them at my grandpa and says, did you use these for your stuff today? 
And he said, yes. And she goes, if you do it again, I'll use you. I'll use them on your belly myself. <laughs> and I was like, damn, like grandma's gone crazy. <clears throat> so, okay. So that's, that's life threatening. Number one, life threatening. Number two, my cousin. So, um, I have a cousin named Brandon and he is two weeks older than me. And so we would like buddy up all like he he was always my favorite go to cousin because we were always in alignment and we we were both like <laughs> two peas in a pod. And I don't remember what we did, but we had irritated grandma and she had put us in timeout. And so we were sitting in timeout on the couch. but We were old enough to not have timeout actually be effective anymore. <laughs> and so we're sitting in the living room and the living room had this like partition wall and there was a hole in the middle of it where you could see into the kitchen. And so she was in the kitchen at the sink washing the dishes and you could see her through the hole. And we were like laughing and making fun of how ridiculous it was that we were in timeout. Because if we were going to sit in timeout, we were just, we were at least going to make it really, really painful for her. So we were making fun <laughs> of her, like talking trash, talking smack. And then my grandma's washing the silver, has the silverware in her hand and shakes it through the hole <laughs> in the wall into the living room and she goes i'll throw you two through a wall <laughs> and then my cousin and i were like really grandma you're gonna throw us through a wall oh my god we were like torturing her <clears throat> yeah kids can so. be little shits i know but that was such a grandma sentence <laughs> yes. I'll throw you two through and it's wall. like no you wouldn't you love us she loved us too much to throw us through a wall ah oh, damn okay. it good times Okay, and then last grandma is Babiago story. So she had these ridiculous bunions on her feet. Like her feet were like these crazy knobby shapes. And but she loved when people would tickle her feet. And when my grandpa was alive, he would tickle her feet like while he did the crossword puzzle. Aww. And then he he I know, how sweet and lovely. And um but then he died. And so it was just us grandkids and nobody wanted to tickle <laughs> her feet. <laughs> So she would pay us a quarter to tickle her feet, and then it evolved because, like, still nobody wanted to touch her feet. And so, plus, they were like, you know, she had like the thick, like, yellow toenails and like the really like crazy crooked toes, and they were like crusty on the bottom. <laughs> she had Baba Yaga feet. She did, and everyone was like, "Grandma, we don't want to touch your feet." So she would hand us a pen, and so we would just literally touch her foot with a pen. <laughs> And then you'd see her foot bounce around because she was so ticklish, but she didn't care. She just wanted someone to poke at her feet for a quarter. (laughs) Oh, wonderful. Yeah. So those are, those are all my personal grandma, spooky grandma stories. Thank you for sharing that. That's beautiful. (laughs) I love it. I love it so much. Thank you. Do you have any spooky grandma stories? I don't know if I have spooky, but I remember the first time I, well, well, okay. So my mom's mom, my granny, so I had my mamaw, which is my dad's mom and my granny, which is my mom's mom. And I was not alive for this story, or if I was, I was an infant, but my mom and dad got into an argument one time and she went over to my mom's house and my dad was pissed and he came over and my granny (laughs) chased him off her front porch with a shotgun. And I can only imagine Granny, like, brandishing the shotgun, telling his ass to get off her property. <laughs> so that was, I wasn't alive for that one, but I, that's one of my favorite stories. Because I'm just like, yeah, that, that aligns absolutely with, um, it aligns with how me and my sisters and my mom would be 100%. Mm-hmm. So that's a crazy one. The only other one that I, like, clearly remember 
like clearly so my granny towards the end of her life she spent she had a stroke and she spent quite some time in the nursing home and it was our thing to go and visit her every sunday sunday afternoons with her granny we'd go we'd talk we'd be there for a few hours she'd have a uh, little cabinet full of candy um and in this time they still allowed smoking indoors so there was a smoke room that the the residents could go to so we would Mm -hmm. go down there often now this this might offend some people we were i feel like it was christmas time but i'm not 100 percent sure i was probably 13 14 maybe between 11 and 14 and we were in the smoke room and we were watching tv and there was something where there were black people on the screen she got pissed off and she called them the n-word and i yelled at her and i she gave me the look of death and then she refused to talk to me for two weeks until i apologized to her for raising my voice at her that way and that was very much like a a crazy moment where it was like you did wrong i did not do wrong you did wrong by using that language yet i'm forced to apologize to you but so that's alpha crone that's what that was yeah that was so crone yes Mm. i think in general just like the the not giving a fuck like crones have (laughs) just they've lived their whole lives they don't give any fucks about Mm, you know that lovely people's judgment yep and then they have their convictions and they're gonna stick to them like so strongly so stubbornly even if they're incorrect there's no telling them that it's not what's right you know yeah yeah and then the crone wisdom, right? The the other side of that is the crone wisdom of them having lived their whole lives and, like, actually knowing some shit. Oh, God, yeah. hmm Yeah. I get down with crone stories. It's my jam. I mm-hmm. love crone stories. I can see uh, the the future of of the culture that we're living in is turning more towards back towards the crones and the elders right because it was the same we swung the opposite way and it's all about youth and you know if you're an old guy the younger girl you can marry is better right and then like what's sexy and young like perky boobs and blonde hair right and and then all of this freakish ageism that's happened and then we're gonna swing back and it's like we're not gonna put old people in old people homes anymore and instead Mm -hmm. we're gonna revere them like we used to do Mm -hmm. because they were the leaders of the family you know if if the matriarch was still alive you know in her 80s then she was of even more value than when she was in her 40s yeah this is such a good story i really enjoyed it yeah thank you Yes, so the moral of the story is next time you see a crotchety, angry, hideous old lady, befriend her and trust her. Yes. Yes. (laughs) But don't be too sweet. I was going to say that. Yes. Just be sweet enough. Just sweet enough. Yes. Thank you, Sam. Yeah, my pleasure. Do you feel complete? I feel complete. Okay. I feel complete as well. Thanks so much for listening. You can find more from your sisters on Patreon. We've got four tiers of Shakti power to choose from with all sorts of Rebel Goddess Reclamation content, as well as our website, rebelgoddessreclamation.com, 
where you'll find seasonal events, circle leader mentorships, and drum birthing workshop circles. You can also support us individually with our solo endeavors. Sarah's website, theartofwildpleasure.com, is your go-to for all your Red Sisters offerings, workshops, trainings, sacred menarch celebrations, mother roaster services, moon-blessed apothecary items like bath salts, candles, intention oils, and so much more. You can see what Sam, your dark sister, is up to at mattmotives.com. Matt Motives are chakra-based vinyl decals to use as focal points on your yoga mat, laptop, or wherever, serving as a reminder to rest your awareness on the qualities you want to cultivate. A third of all proceeds are donated to a nonprofit of your choosing at checkout. On the website, you can also find recorded breathwork practices along with lots of other subtle yoga workshops and trainings. Thanks again, Wild Ones, for playing and working with the goddess right alongside us. Yes, thank you. More please.